0: Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news, and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel
1: Aloisi. Hey, hey, pumped to be with you here on Private Club Radio on another Monday morning. The sun is shining, it's 80-something degrees here in Tampa, Florida, and I'm feeling good. Hope you're feeling good wherever you are at. I read a great book this year. Well, right at the end of last year, really. It's called Breeding Gazelles. And what's funny about that book is I went, I was looking for a book to read at the end of the year. I had a little bit of time to do some reading and went on Amazon, was kind of poking around. Then I thought about this book that I had heard about someone had mentioned and ended up buying the book and come to find out my agency had actually laid out the interior of the book. So we had a copy of the book on my computer at work and had no idea, but it doesn't matter. I'm really happy to support the author because the book was incredibly valuable to me. It's really helped my business and uh, definitely one that I think you should pick up if you get a chance. It's called Breeding Gazelles. But the big lesson, the, there was lots of lessons in the book, but the biggest lesson that I took away from the book was a quote. The author interviewed another gentleman and, and the quote was, instead of trying something new this year, why not try to do what you're already doing 20% better? Now, for me, someone who I like to consider myself an innovator, someone who's coming up with new ideas all the time, someone who is doing things differently, that concept is a little bit foreign, I've got I've to admit. And I wonder if some of our listeners feel the same way. A lot of times when you're cutting edge, bleeding edge, When you are trying to innovate and elevate your members' experience, we're often trying to come up with new ideas, uh, fresh ideas, new ways of looking at things. And believe me, I think that is something that every great leader should be doing. Absolutely. But at the same time, you've got to know what's in your wheelhouse and you've got to be able to do those things really, really, really well. Now, a great example of that, I was at the European Conference on Club Management. As you probably know, I spoke there in November. And of course, after I speak, I always stick around and listen to the other sessions because I am more of a listener than a talker anyways. And one of the best, probably my favorite session of the conference was Ross Matheson. He is the manager at the All England Club where they put on Wimbledon every year. And Ross talked about the things that the All England Club does right when the tournament ends. So they have this tournament, hundreds of thousands of people come and they take a couple of days off after the tournament just to, just to relax and reset. But then they get right back to work and they start a list. They call it, I think they call it the list. And the list is every single item that they want to improve the next year. For the tournament, whether that's fan experience, taking better care of the players, and really just putting on a better tournament every year. This year, that list was, I believe, he said, somewhere around fourteen or fifteen hundred items, and it could be as small as the chair uh, in row B is squeaking, or these tables were not aligned uh, at a ninety-degree angle, or the water fountains temperature was not a cool 46 degrees or whatever they want that water temperature to be. It goes down to the nitty, nitty gritty. And what they do is they look at that list every year and then they, then they sort it by by most priority and they try to tackle that so that the next year's tournament is that much better. And listening to that, I just thought to myself, how cool is that? I mean, how amazing is that really? That they're thinking down to those little, little tiny details Uh, at Wimbledon about how they can improve the experience. I mean, they've been putting this tournament on for over 100 years, I think 140 years or something like that. And they're still improving the process. Just incredible. So take a look at what you've been doing the same way for the last five years or 10 years. And it's time to take a really hard look at that and see what you're missing out on, what you could be doing better and what needs to improve for your next season. It's so easy to get stuck in ruts and routines and thinking the same as we thought before because it worked before. And that just leads to problems and it degrades the experience over time because human beings naturally want to evolve the experience. We are wired, literally our brains are wired for things that are out of the ordinary. That triggers serotonin and all those other chemicals in our brain the pleasure chemicals when we have something new and something different. And same lesson as the the breeding gazelles and doing something 20% better this year than you did last year. Taking that advice, I've got to, I've got to admit, I I really try to put that advice into action here in the first quarter. And it's really done amazing things for my business because I started looking at the things I was already doing. And just figuring out how to do them a little bit better. And for you innovative folks, for you people who are forward thinking, cutting edge type folks who want to do things differently, it's actually an interesting challenge because you're working on something that you're already good at, but you're improving that process and you're still using those creative muscles to get better and to do something a little bit differently. And so it kind of hits on both levels for us creative folks. So love that lesson. And I hope that maybe you are inspired by that and can put some of that into practice in your own business at your own club. And if you do, I'd love to hear about it and get you on the show and talk about it because that's what Private Club Radio is all about. All right. Well, today we're going to feature Mr. Frank Vane of the McMahon Group. Interesting discussion I had with Frank. I hope you enjoy it.
0: And now... It's time for Club Perspectives, presented by the National Club Association. Okay.
1: Welcome to another edition of Club Perspectives, presented by the National Club Association. On this episode, I'm joined by Frank Vane, president of the McMahon Group, and he's also chairman of the board of the National Club Association. Frank, how are you today? I'm doing well, Gabe. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Yeah, it's... uh, Good to be back from China. So you're my first interview back back in the United States, and um, I'm looking forward to speaking with you today.
2: Well, good to be with you. I'm uh, I'm actually uh, calling and talking from uh, the University Club in New York City, one of, one of the countries and one of the world's great private clubs, and so. Uh, uh, it's always uh, it's always fun to see a, a monumental and historic club like this, and so uh, so good to be with you.
1: Yeah, it is great. And we were there uh, about two years ago, I guess, for the NCA conference, and I just remember that library was gorgeous. It's one of the largest, if not the largest, private library in the world. So for that fact alone, it's worth yeah, checking that club out. It
2: is, it is, and it's really the, it's it's the heart of what they do. They really value. Uh, you know the club is uh, obviously it has a lot of social programs and all that, but uh, continuing education, library research, all that really fits into it, and it really shows uh, often the, the the broad nature of the way clubs can uh, uh, impact and serve their members, and they they do a great job over here.
1: That's great. Do they still make you wear a tie there? I, I think I walked in there tieless, and they made me put one on
2: they uh they do it's a uh it's it's a uh a rather formal dress code yes uh, <laughs> uh, there's a little conversation about it part of the reason uh, part of the reason I'm here but uh they uh, uh today it's still a it's still a very formal place
1: yeah well, I think that's good you got to have places like that well today i want to talk to you about um some govern governance and leadership issues our listeners have been asking about that and who better to talk about that than you, Frank? So I know you've been focused a lot on board development committees. Can you explain what that's all about?
2: Well, yeah, I think it's 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 really important. I, you know, it, it, if you take the broader you know concept of of, of club government governance generally, um, if not most, many uh, many clubs having annual presidencies and you know turning over a good you know third of their board on an annual basis. Uh, that that sort of discontinuity is really a challenge in a in an environment where clubs have to be really you know, thoughtful and aware of what they're doing and, and and chart a course for the future and all those sorts of things. So uh, uh, so I I see the the whole governance uh, uh, practice at a club, if you will, or structure at a club, under a lot of pressure today, dealing as we do with a kind of a changing environment and as tr- clubs look to to respond to what's going on in any of the activities and just society in general for their whole level of relevance and what they may offer. And so, um, I, yeah, I think a big part of that is looking at, you know, board formation and who who we get around the table and how they get there and all those sorts of things. Uh, as I observe it, clubs are really still, they, they very much approach the annual election if you will whether it's election or or elected or by a slate they still approach that as an event we have to do that for this year fill seats get new board members and don't think deeply enough about it as to um what about the board members a couple years from now and how do we groom those people and identify them and and all those sorts of things and uh it's really where this notion of really trying to, to to talk with our client about thinking about that much more as a development practice rather than and an, an, you know an, an event and moving from this notion of a nominating committee I' really think it uh, think about it more broadly as a development committee uh, that yes we're gonna we're gonna end up getting a few nominees this year and get a few folks on the board but what's the pipeline and how do we get people in the pipeline and all those sorts of things and I think if we can really do that as an industry, I you know, much more impactful on how governance can be responsive and effective for uh, each of the individual
1: clubs. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like it. How many clubs are, are doing something like that right now?
2: Oh, it's a handful. Uh, you know, I've you've got some good clubs out there that are you know really do you know take the time to to be thinking about it. But uh, you know, it's work War it once you really have a, a, a conversation about it and start thinking about it, I think the the light bulb goes on and people say, well, of course, kind of, why wouldn't we do that? And so, you know, I think it's just one of those, one of those things that by routine or habit, we've always thought that there's a nominating committee and that's how you surface board members. And that's the process. And, um, and, you know, I'm not trying to intimate that every club is just, you know, offhand about that. They they, they don't uh, they don't care. They give it some thought, but the more that uh, you can really give it that structure and, uh, and and really think more deeply about the bench and who's on uh, committees and getting committee chairs to identify kind of the all stars on their on their committees, and then you know get those people and nurture them through the organization and provide them some support and some education to do that so you know i i'd say right now it's maybe one in ten that that i would see out there that have a, a, a you know really a, a more holistic view of governance and and training and continuity and succession planning and but you know probably nine out of ten and 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 unfortunately probably close to 50 50 where it's almost a coin flip or almost, uh, you know, it's we're going to have an election here in October. And so, you know, in August, we start talking about, geez, uh, let, let's put that nominating committee together and uh, uh, make sure that we are able to get through this year's election, you know, and that's just that's just not going to, you know, cut it, frankly, in, in, in this day and age when, you know, we've got to get the right people around the table. You've got to have the right skills and uh, folks who, whether they know how to market or build things or whatever it is, they can bring some you know skills and and, and some representation of, of different uh, you know uh, segments within the membership and get them around the table. Uh, critical to your success, and so uh, so that you know, really have to you know begin to adopt policies and activities like this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what would be the first steps if a club wants to you know start? creating one of these board development committees, what would be the first steps to take?
2: Well, I think a lot, a lot of things it's, it's, it's getting leadership in place, right. And there's, uh, uh, certainly someone within the membership that, uh, probably has some experience in nonprofit leadership or corporate leadership or that sort of thing, but getting a, a passionate leader in place. Uh, so that, uh, and, 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 you know, it's important that that person is, uh, uh, really seen as uh, uh, almost statesman is kind of the right word, you know, that, that, that they're not doing this as a, um, a, a means of, you know, taking over leadership, uh, you know, uh, kind of you know controlling that in a, in an unacceptable form, but that they're, um, you know, they're, that, that they have goodwill and they have experience and that they're, um, you're know, really, as I say, kind of that statesman attitude that, cause you're going to touch on a variety of things there. You're, you're, you know it's going to get into i mean board development committees that look at also you know how does the board function, what's the board doing and thinking about strategy and all those sorts of things so they really you know get their fingers in the pie of a number of aspects of of governance and so uh so skills are important um, just as it is with the board more broadly, but the uh, person who's doing it having uh, having uh, thought about. Um, you know, either say corporate or nonprofit governance, and and have a passion for that subject, and uh, and frankly, have the you know the, sort of the personality, if you will, that they're they're seen as constructive and soothing and non-confrontational, and, and, and thinking about uh, you know putting uh, putting a plan together.
1: Now, is that something that the McMahon Group can help with as well, if clubs are looking to pursue that? Well, we can. We we do it really
2: within. I really started to work it into our strategic planning activities, which is a good thing because you know, whatever you're, whatever you're in strategic planning to begin with, you've got the attention. Uh, I know we've you know we've certainly broadcast to the industry for years and 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 run that part of our practice where we believe that the board needs to own strategic planning, not an ad hoc committee or uh, you know an, an outside group, and so. Um, as we're doing that we have the current board around the table and then a lot of times we'll bring in some past leaders and past presidents and again some of the you know sort of the wise old men and women if you will of the club to to be part of that process so that it really takes hold and grounded in the culture but also thinking about the future and and any strategic plan has a section you know focused on what's our approach to governance and management so uh, so it's a good time to to do that so uh, uh, so yeah we'll we'll typically uh, certainly if the board's open to it and sees the wisdom of it, we will build that model into the governance and management action plans within the strategic plan. Uh, what is the committee, what's the role, how do we form it uh, what's their what's their job description and uh, and, and really help them start to uh, uh, organize that uh, that process and uh, and then yeah that's uh, that's something and and, and and again, it can tie back to not only this notion of, of, uh, getting directors and everything else, but helping them to be stewards of their strategic plan that, you know, that, that they have it, that they're, uh, actually following it and implementing it. And, you know, working the plan and those sorts of things. That's again, the kind of thing that a, you know, a board development committee can work on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely recommend folks consider that next time they're going to go through the process of the strategic plan to get that in place. It sounds like it's really, um, really useful moving forward for the club. Now, Frank, the other thing I wanted to t- chat with you about today was some of the initiatives that the NCA is doing. Um, you as board chairman are, are helping to lead the charge there. So what are some of the issues uh, the NCA is tackling right now in
2: 2019? Well, I continue to be focused on, uh, you know, things that advance and protect, you know, sort of the small uh, small business interest, if you will, That uh, that really what you know what private clubs are and uh you know what they can uh, do to remain healthy and successful I and mean, we've seen some things in the in the past year uh, some uh, uh taxing uh you know initiatives in uh, uh, virginia and maryland in that area where uh, uh the local government's looking to reclassify clubs and uh, tax their properties in a in a different way and, and so uh, you know the TA has rallied to the cause around Around those and uh, um, help push back, uh, you know, some of that uh, uh, some of that legislation. I mean, clubs continue to, uh, you know, get targeted periodically. Is that <clears throat> that group that you know supposedly you know has a lot of money and they can, uh, you know, they can afford to pay more or all those sorts of things. And you know, and like I say, at, at the heart of it, most of these are well, they have a lot of land and they may have some assets. Most of these are pretty small. Businesses trying to, uh, to to get through and can't really uh, absorb, you know, some you know whatever multi-million dollar mm-hmm. tax rates because their their property is, uh, is is suddenly classified as residential and taxed that way at a you know a country club or or things like that. So that's certainly a a, a big one. Uh, really, the biggest thing I, I I think we've accomplished in the last year or two is is overall the. The presence of our uh, and the and the uh, viability of our uh, political action committee um, we, we really have made that a strategic initiative that the the, the the associations had representation in fact it's the only association with a full-time lobbyist on on Capitol Hill for representing the club industry and, and club interest and uh, and for many years that that sort of and again, just as associations and things do it, we had it, but i you know it was just sort of there. We've actually put a lot of attention on um frank building resources and getting donations to the pack uh getting the industry to understand more about what it's doing and uh and frankly put more money in the coffers so that we can have representation uh, you know as you dig into these things you you find there are obviously there are a lot of dinners, a lot of events and you know politicians are looking at uh you know who who are their friends and and all those sorts of things so we've 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 got a, a lot more um, money and focus going into our political action committee that's allowed our representatives to uh, uh you know attend a lot more events and and events that we're holding where uh leaders of congress have uh you know come through and uh, and and participated so we're really making sure that the voice of the NCA is heard on the Hill and friends that we can find like John Thune and others who, uh, uh, supporters of the industry and want to be part of that. We've, uh, we've, you know, tried, you know, kind of helping them and they, uh, and they help us and look out for us. And, and, and so that's, uh, that's important. And, you know, a few times a year we're, we're, we're doing kind of, you know, Capitol Hill days where we go around and talk to people. And, and again, that helps open up doors and, uh, uh, we're able to meet with people that uh, that share our interest uh, certainly a big part of the last couple of years has been the h two b visa program yep and so uh, uh you know we we uh, uh then partner with and and, and meet with uh, uh you know again uh, uh you know representatives who are in states that have you know the ski industry or other sorts of you know lots of tourism in there in their states, so they understand the economic engine of it. They understand what H2B means to, and how seasonal workers and how that program is actually quite, uh, quite effective. Uh, the best uh, you know, sort of visa program that's out there, it's uh, very, very little in terms of uh, violations or challenge to it or anything else. And these people do come in seasonally. They want, they want a seasonal job. They fill jobs that are um, uh, difficult, if not impossible, to otherwise fill. And, uh, and then they return home, you know, whether they're a student or somebody that uh, spends, you know, half the year here and half the year somewhere else, um, and uh, really, you know, advocating and have folks understand that process and that program because it's one that's been uh, wildly fluctuating from, uh, you know, no no uh, visas available to, you know, the number pops up to this level or that level uh, sort of inconsistently uh, over budget time and uh, through budget periods. And, uh, you know, and that's uh, that. That makes it very difficult for clubs to rely on it. Uh, when happen to belong to the own the club, I belong to, they they had some good success with golf course maintenance uh, staff uh, coming in through the program. And then uh, all of a sudden, like two years ago, uh, they were they were unable to get anyone in through the program. And you know, now you're going in the season and you're short. You know, eight or ten. Uh, folks out on the golf course and frankly we saw it in the conditions you know and and the jobs were available we we could not fill the job otherwise and uh and sort of they they went unfilled and we actually had a material decline in the uh you know in the conditions of our golf course so so i think you know it's uh, there's always the issues of uh uh, you know, whether it's healthcare or other programs that we're looking at, but I'd say the H2B and and overall just uh, really concentrating on our pack and making sure that uh, uh, the folks in who know who we are and that we've got good partners with folks who share our interest in the, in you know in the uh, hospitality field and what that means for, for labor and, uh, and, and, other, uh, challenges that we face.
1: Yeah. Well, I definitely uh, recommend folks check out the club pack with the NCA head over, over to nationalclub.org and, um, you can see what the club packs all about. You can fill out the form to, uh, get some more information about it and what they're doing and, uh, check out all the NCA is doing over there, nationalclub.org. Frank, Thank you so much for joining me today on uh, this episode of Club Perspectives. It was really enlightening, and I, again, I hope, hope clubs take your advice there um, and start to think about a board development committee. Thanks so much, Frank.
2: Well, Gabe, always good to be with you. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the opportunity to do it, and uh, look forward to talking to you again.
0: To learn more about the National Club Association, please visit nationalclub.org.
1: Well, that's going to wrap things up for today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me here once again on Private Club Radio. Tell me all about what you're doing differently at your club and not only that, but what you are improving on. I'd love to get that story on Private Club Radio. I'll catch you back next week. Until then, here's to your membership success.
0: Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital, expertise and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.